All summer long, it's like, I got room to spare. Now it's like, who, who loves Jesus? Put your hammer on the person and scoot over, you know? <laughs> Let's hear way back again. Um, and I do want to say, even though we just said their names, like Pontotoc. How many guys left Pontotoc, Mississippi, in our campus here? Grand Blank, right? Chaplain Jim. Uh, it's just... It's just so good to be a part of a family. I, was, I had something really cool happen the other day. I got in my car, and I, I was listening to some of the radio, and all of a sudden I hear this familiar voice say, welcome to GPS Radio, where we learn to love God and love people. I thought, I know that voice. It was, it was our ministry on our local station, and I, I thought, hey, this is kind of cool. And then I heard myself preach. Don't ever listen to yourself preach. It's just a terrible thing. But it was just cool. So radio audience and live stream audience and virtual audience, and 10 years from now, holograph audience, like, it's just so good to be the family of God. Somebody say amen. amen. So we're going to be starting a new series, guys. Our, our summer series is winding down. After Labor Day, we're going to really get into it in earnest. And, but I, I, that kind of gives us two weeks. How many of you guys know what, what, there's like a sermon series, and there's what I call Preacher's Choice. You know what Preacher's Choice is? This is the stuff that's on my heart. I want to share with you this week and then again next week some thoughts that I have. And they're, they're, they're wonderful thoughts. I think they're great concerns, but they're also... I think if there's anything, there's a, there's a tremendous opportunity right now in our country, in our nation, for someone to figure out some things. And today we're going to talk about evangelism. And the reason we're going to talk about evangelism, say, what's evangelism? Evangelical evangelism. It just simply means this. If I possess a faith in Jesus and someone else doesn't, when I'm able to, to answer a question or a story that inspires or knowledge they're lacking, and they come to a saving understanding of Jesus as well, enough to trust him, that's called evangelism. Does that make sense? So it's not the knocking on the door and the, hi, if you were to die today, where would you go? I mean, that, that's a, that was a technique of evangelism. But I think today it's important for us to kind of go, what, what are the questions this generation is asking? What are the questions that our nation are facing? What, what are the answers the Lord would have and to lead someone to a... a a redeeming, a quality faith, something that gives them life is extraordinarily important. So in my lifetime, we've seen evolutions. We've seen things evolve. We see things devolve. And for those that are my age and younger, let's take a little trip on the good old gospel ship back in time to the 1960s. It was called the Jesus Movement. Pastor Josh, you in here? Read, read that guy's tank top in the front row. That's, that's my son's alma mater right there. The, the Jesus Movement was just, I don't know, there was hippies, there was the 60s. How many of you guys remember the 60s? Then you weren't there. <coughs> but as people were kind of moving towards sex, drugs, and rock and roll, and dealing with the Vietnam War, Martin Luther King's assassination, Bobby Kennedy's assassination, JFK's assassination, like we started as a nation to go, is there anything that's not going to die? Is there anything that's not going to fail? Is there anybody that's not going to lie to me? And a generation of young people turned towards Jesus away from other things. It was bigger than Woodstock by millions, and yet it didn't get the press because Janis Joplin wasn't there, right? After that came the contemporary Christian music thing, and I would say it's still going on today to some degree. People are probably still getting saved at Gaither's concerts. I, I, you know what I mean? I don't know, but, but they're still happening. This is the band that led me to Christ. You've often wondered, you know, I said to talk about perms, and the guy who led me to Jesus was prettier than my sister. No offense to my sister. It was just an expression, right? <laughs> then we started saying, you know what? The church actually divided over that one because if it's contemporary, that means worldly. God can't move through worldly things. And so, you know, the whole swagger, never mind, just mess it up. So we started knocking on people's doors. We started saying, hi, knock, 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 two steps back, hi. 
My name's Jim, and I'm with local church ABC. And I just have one church ABC. And one simple question, if you would give me a moment of your time. Okay, you will. Nine times out of ten, slam. But, you know, tenth time, okay. Uh, if you were to die today, where would you go? Heaven or hell? How many guys would look forward to that phone call? But, I mean, literally, millions were probably born again through someone just knocking on the door and asking the questions about heaven and hell. And then we'd explain the Bible to them. And we had evangelism explosion. We had the Saturday Soul Winning Society. We had teachings and organizations and tracks. Somebody guys remember the four spiritual law tracks? And I guess remember chick tracks. Anybody remember chick tracks? Were you angry enough in the 80s to remember chick tracks? Good. And then it went from that to kind of that fizzled out because... You know, let's face it, the Jehovah's Witnesses were like, hey, you're muscling in our territory. And so they started kind of the megachurch thing, the Rick Warren, um, oh, Willow Creek, Bill Hybels models for literally Rick Warren. This is genius. He graduates seminary. He knows everything about church growth, church history, church everything. And he walks to the door, he knocks on it and asks this question. Do you go to church? And if those who answered the question said yes, they said, okay, have a nice day. But if they said no, he said, can I ask why? Why is it you don't go to church? They say, well... You know, I don't have the right clothes. I don't, I don't have, you know, a suit and a tie. I don't have a, you know, and the, the music is to this. The sermons aren't that enough. I just, it just doesn't, I used to go, but then when I got old enough to stay home with my old man, <laughs> then mom went with the younger siblings and I stayed home with the old man and we watched NASCAR, you know, we watched whatever. It's Southern California, so they watched PBS, but if it was somewhere else. And they just, so he, he got everybody's, Da, 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 da. And, and so the first Sunday, I think there was a 1,000 people in Southern California that showed up. Other people said, well, if that works, let's try that. So we started asking our community, what do you want in a church? That birthed something called the seeker-sensitive movement, which probably caused as, as many arguments in the family as anything ever since. This cartoon gives you an idea why. And if you're listening on the radio, it, it's, it's a bunch of uh, two Israelites with scrolls preaching, uh, approaching some Amalekites and says, hey, if you're hoping to convert those Amorites, don't open with circumcision. And in a way, that, that's kind of what we did was let's just talk about the love of God. Let's just talk about Jesus and not being afraid of Jesus. Let's talk about his love for mankind. Let's, but what about circumcision? Well, that's for yesterday. What about this shoe? That's eh, for that. Well, and we never really got to meaty things because it was in some ways a very milky movement. So the counter to that was the law evangelism. Uh, Ray Comfort and what's his name from the TV show in the 80s really championed this. Hey, man, there's laws of God. And if you break them, how can you, how can you become innocent again once you become guilty? So they got out the Ten Commandments and little coins, and that was kind of the way to tell people about Jesus. And that, that kind of got us through the 2010s, if you will. But I'd say from the 2010s <clears throat> until now, I, I, would just, I would just call it the casserole. It's kind of it's kind of stuff that, that works or doesn't work. I don't see any distinct method or methodology that's being used by God with any great effect, and and, a, and it's something that causes me some concern because this is not because this is a condemning phrase, but that I know the joy that comes to my soul when blind eyes are opened. I know the joy of someone who was an atheist and someone who was an addict and someone who hated God and someone who just simply didn't believe, good, good, better than me, more morally, but, but just didn't believe in God. I know the joy of, them, of their eyes opening and going, oh my God, I have a God. And so today, statistically, the average believer will live a lifetime 
of following Jesus, reading the word, saying prayers, but never know the joy of leading a single person to Jesus. You say, why is that? I don't know. I, th- I think maybe we, we said bring them to church and the church will do it for you and we forgot how. I, th- I think maybe we, we, we only pray about things we want, not about things maybe he wants. You know, I think our hearts are broken by the things that affect our hearts, but our hearts, you know, aren't necessarily broken by the things that would break his. And if these are condemning words, forgive me. I'm not trying to be condemning. I'm just trying to be transparent. Matter of fact, I'm even talking about you. Let's just talk about me today. Never mind. I'm talking about you. No. So I think we should talk about this. And I think we should look in Scripture because I think this is a question we should be as individuals thinking about. And again, I'm not promoting knocking on doors. I'm not saying you shouldn't. I'm not promoting having a seeker-sensitive... I'm not saying you shouldn't. I, I, I'll be honest with you. I believe that God is speaking a relevant word to every generation calling them home. And I feel like this generation, maybe we've, we've, got, we've got this, you know, in front of us. We've got this casserole we're not quite sure. And so I, you can look at this and say, well, that's discouraging. I don't think it's discouraging, guys, because I know the heart of God. He wants people to come home. He wants people to be saved. He doesn't want any to perish, but all to come to repentance. So instead of saying, well, why isn't that working, or why isn't that working, and condemning those who, well, you're too seeker-sensitive, well, you're too legal, well, you're too casserole, well, you're not casserole enough, can we just stop and say, hey, since no one's doing it well, maybe God wants to pour out something on somebody who wants to do it well. And so how many of you guys would like to be a place and a people and a family and groups and ministries where we get to see people who are spiritually blind have their eyes open, and they can clearly see Christ. That's all I'm talking about. So this is, I, I would love that. Like, like, if there's anything I would like to leave this church 20 years from now when I'm, I'm no longer strong enough to stand up here and yell at everybody in rented shoes. I, I, I would love if this church, I would love it if we found a way to communicate the heart of God effectively to Fenton, Michigan, and the surrounding communities. And we've had seasons of this, have we not? How many of you guys remember our own pageant days? You guys around for the pageant days? Mike Maher dressed like Jesus. And I'm telling you, Mike Maher looked so much like Jesus that if Jesus stood next to him, they'd probably talk to Mike. That's how much Mike Maher looked like Jesus. And we, we would hook him up to stuff and, and drag him up on a... He would ascend into the rafters and pyrotechnics. And man, hundreds of people, hundreds of people came to Jesus during those times. It was beautiful. But how many of you know that season kind of was gone? The big, the big festival, how many of you remember the big 4th of July? 5,000 people. It took a 20-minute walk to even get on the grounds to wait in line for half an hour to get a snow cone. But that kind of waned too. What I'm saying is this. No matter what we found, eventually it's found a way not to be the thing anymore. And I wonder if it's not because we begin to trust the methodology and not the king. So today, I want to think about this week and next week, you know, what is God doing? And what can we do in response to his heart what can we do in response to the questions of, of a generation? And I'm excited about today. How about you? All right. So here, here's the question. What, uh, just a statement rather, what Jesus has done and what Jesus is doing in your life is powerful. It's a powerful part of the story the world needs to hear. I think, I think a place that has always remained stable through all the ups and the downs and the casseroles, the ins and the outs, is someone who's had their life changed by God talking about the God who changed their life. I, I think it's irreplaceable, to be really honest with you. I think the Jesus movement... The, the place for like a Pat Thomas, one of our like elder elders, our statesman, our scholar, uh, was he went to work one day at GM, somebody led him to Jesus, he came home born again. Why? Because someone shared his story of conversion. I, I was just like you, Pat, and these are the questions I had, and this is how Jesus answered them, and Pat goes, you know what, I believe that, comes home to Linda and goes, I've given my life to Jesus. She's like, you've given your life to who? <laughs> you know, I, this guy at work, Jesus, he's a good guy, you know? 
This is what the Bible says. Revelation chapter 12, verse 11, talks about overcoming the devil, in parentheses. But they, they triumphed over the devil by two things. By the blood of the lamb, and what's the second one? By the, the word of their testimony. Not, not, not the word of the testimony of the lamb. The word of their testimony. In other words, think of it this way. What Jesus had done was important in their testimony, yes? But what Jesus was doing in their lives at that moment was equally important to overcoming the devil. Are you still here? So knowing the gospel is, is important because what the blood of the lamb, what's the lamb done? What is what he mean by the blood? Who's the lamb? Understanding what Jesus has done and what that means in your life, but also understanding not just what Jesus did for you when you raised your hand and said the prayer when you were eight at vacation Bible school, but what Jesus is doing today in your life carries with it a distinct weight and weightiness. Um, Doctrine is wonderful. History is important. Dogma can be useful. Religion has a place, according to James. Arguments, I'm I'm not against good arguments. But let me say this. Those things, when it pertains to sharing your faith, they will never replace experience. If I were to say to you, hey, I've been going to this gym, and man, it's it's really working well for me. (laughs) You'd be like... (laughs) Either there's a before picture that needed a wide-angle lens, or it's not working the way you think it's working. God bless you. And I'm simply saying this. Like, grab, grab onto this. If the world could see a changed life, I think they'd ask questions about the changes needed in their life. So what Jesus has done, important? Yes. What Jesus is doing, come on. It's very important. When I got saved at that rock concert, can I go back to that, even though it's going to mess up everybody's casserole, only commandments, uh, we're back there, uh, yeah, isn't he pretty? When I got saved, I wa- that, that is literally the band, DeGarmo and Key, that led me to Jesus. Now, let me tell you this. That is, you know, and a guitar, and the hair's going everywhere, and the, you know, the, there's no drummer, it's just on some sort of a track that's recorded, it's just the two of them. But then it all slows down, and, and Eddie starts doing his thing on the guitar, and, you know, he stands up and he starts talking about Jesus. And man, something inside of me came alive because he wasn't just talking about Jesus, he was talking about me. That makes sense? When I walked out of that room, you could say, so what did you know about doctrine? I'd say, what's doctrine? <laughs> what do you know about the church history? I'd say, I, it's probably his story. And that's why they call it his story. I, you know, uh, all of a sudden I knew. I walked in blind and I walked out being able to see for the first time in my life. And I'm telling you this, if you think that's not enough, you're wrong. And this is why. It's because I, I overcame so many things that were happening around me just by saying, I would do that with you some more, but Jesus. I, I would get high with you. Hey, all the dope that I had, I'm not selling anymore. I got rid of it. Why? Jesus. Well, who is Jesus? I mean, epistemology-wise, who is, you know, eschatology-wise, who, I, I don't even know what those words mean today. Who is Jesus? He's the guy that met me at a rock concert the other night. And I walked in blind. I walked in bound. I walked in dead. And I walked out having been born again. And I'll tell you this, guys. Listen to me. A person with a testimony will never be at the mercy of a person with an argument. Well, I don't know. Because, I mean, wasn't the Bible written by? And how many years? And was there a thing? You know, historians today tell us. I, I was not at the mercy of anybody's argument. Why? Because I'd met my creator. And in meeting my creator, is kind of like, when I read the Bible, and I'm not saying this has to be you, I'm, this is my story, 
But I know people like, I read the Bible for years, I was raised in church, and somewhere around 20, 22, 25, 12, 5, whatever, I, I, my knowledge rose to a place of trust. My, my story is completely the opposite. I didn't read the Bible, I met the author. And when I met the author, it was very nice to read the Bible because it, it kept this conversation going that I never wanted to end. Prayer was nice. Why? Because I couldn't help it. It was what I was thinking about, you know? Well, did you, did you know the right, you know, I, I didn't. What I knew is this. Hey, you know, God from the concert, I'd really like to, to know you more. Hey, here's the Bible. It's in King James. It's got my name on it. It must be good. And I'm like, Saul of Tarsus, why dost thou kickest against the goads? Get a dictionary. But, but when I got into like Matthew, and Jesus is talking about blessed are these people and blessed are those people, I'm like, I, I trust you. I trust you. I trust you. Forgive, and you'll be forgiven. I trust you. Give, and it shall be given. I trust you. I trust you. I trust you. Listen, a childlike faith is more powerful in this dynamic than a, than a seasoned intellect. Because I just know what I know. I just know who I know. And I'm not saying we should study to show ourselves approved to God, workmen who don't need to be ashamed, who correctly handle the word of truth. But I'm telling you, I, I think if the world wants anything, it's not an answer to their argument. It's someone who's actually living the life we proclaim. And that life is not morality. I just, this is in my notes, so I do this poorly, forgive me. But it, it, morality is a beautiful fruit of a relationship with a moral God, but it isn't like you have to have perfection in morality before you can display perfection in a, in a Savior. Matter of fact, my imperfection in many ways can display His mercy much greater than just my words. What Jesus forgave me of at 16 years old at that rock concert is wonderful. But what Jesus forgave me of this morning is equally wonderful. Before I ever say a word to you, I walk this room, and the first thing I pray, not the last thing, not the, the only, if I get interrupted, this will be the only prayer I pray. God, whatever I've done, wherever I've been, whatever I've thought, I'm about to stand before people as an oracle of God, and I pray that any sin, any smir, smear, smirch, any whatever it is, any, any, anything that would separate my heart from yours, I, I, now, I now repent of it, I forsake it, and I ask you to forgive me of it. I have never walked from that place to this place without praying that prayer. And I'm just telling you this, it took just as much of the blood of Jesus to forgive a pastor this morning as it did a child back then. And I walk in his mercy. Are you guys hearing this today? Well, if you're, I, I know, but I heard you say a naughty word. Stick around, I'll say another one if that makes you happy. I'm playing golf. You can't say yippee every shot. I raise sons. There, there are colorful metaphors. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not advocating cussing. I'm simply saying this. I do sometimes. And I'm saying simply this. The mercy of God revealed in my day-to-day sins, it's a powerful part of our story. He didn't save me. I've been perfect ever since. So, aha, aha, we caught a Christian doing something wrong. I'm like, just open your eyes, open your ears. You'll find a Christian doing something wrong. By a show of hands, how many of you guys were speeding on your way to church today? Come on, Mr. Hand. Okay, two things have just happened. Speeders just confessed their sins, and other people lied in church by not raising their hand. And that doesn't mean sin's okay. But understand this, guys. My morality doesn't reveal his glory. In many ways, it's, it's my lack of morality and his abundant mercy that keeps me in this relationship. So, now, it's not like, so sin, so God, Christ can be glorified, the, the argument in Romans. I'm not saying that. I'm simply saying this. If we're looking to find sin so we can discount the whole message, then we had an insincere pursuit to begin with. We need to find his mercy, all of us, all the time, every day. One other thing I think 
that we have. And we're going to dig into this a lot next week. I've got 10 minutes-ish to get into this today. How many of you guys enjoyed all three songs up front? Because this is more of a study right now. I felt like worship really went someplace. And, uh, and we'll, we'll think about that in the future here. But um, we understand, the body of Christ, people who are believers, we understand the central role of purpose. I think this is, and we're going to play with this next week, because I, I think, if you were to say, what do you think is, is a, a conversation that would help us have conversations with people and the world might want to engage with, it's that, it's that last word in that sense, it's purpose. I see during these last days people going and doing and being and trying, and then COVID hits and takes away and the government. And the, it's almost like when we were young, we used to have soap operas. Today we have Fox News and MSNBC. And, and, and that's funny, but that's true. And if you don't have that, then you're on the internet and the echo chambers trying to hear any, everything you want to hear and discounting anybody else and arguing the slacktivists, you know what I mean, that are mean about everything. And please hear me. What are we doing? We're trying to find a life because the one we have is not satisfying yet. And I'm telling you, if there's anything that Christ has given me, anything Christ can give you, it is purpose. My, I said this two weeks ago during Educator Sunday, and you know this to be true. Every teacher told me, sit down and shut up. And then one teacher said, why don't you stand up and speak? The army never told me to sit down and shut up. They told me to shut up, but they told me to run while I was doing it or whatever. <laughs> they said, we need someone to teach a class to, to a company. I mean, literally, this, this size of crowd, we need someone to teach a class, hold their attention for an hour on crime prevention. Jim, why don't you try it? I'm like, why would you pick on me? Because you never shut up. You might as well talk in front of people. You're always talking to yourself and talking to dogs and talking to, you know. So what I'm saying is this. When, when people saw my purpose, I engaged in their purpose. Hey, why don't you speak and help us prevent crime? Hey, why don't you speak and, and be on walking patrol and get to know all the families and prevent crime? Hey, why don't you be McGruff with the crime dog and do puppet shows? And hey, why don't you? I understand your tax dollars were my Bible college. The things I could have or should have learned in Bible college, the United States military taught me because they said, who are you, not what do we want you to do? And when they found out who I was, they gave me purpose in doing just that. But even there, there was an incompleteness because I wasn't created to be a puppet show guy or McGruff the crime dog. I was created to be a pastor. So all the other things were dissatisfying until I found that one thing that truly satisfied in Christ. I want to show you the scripture. This is the message translation, but boy, is it important. Hear me. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. The rest of it's good too. Let me just stop there. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. And what's cool about this, if you're building buildings and Christ made you to do that, do it. If if you're tearing down buildings, do it. If if you're a youth pastor making huge money, (laughs) I don't know where you work, but keep doing it. What it, what, and you understand this, don't you? That there's a grace on you to do things and there's something you just don't have a grace for. And that God will never put his blessing on your imitation of someone else's life. But when you find your life, who you are, and what you're supposed to be doing, life takes on just a whole new thing. And it's this brilliant walking through this narrow road, through this narrow door into an expansive kingdom where you get, you get to be you. Let me just read that again. It's just too good. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. Listen, when God wants to move somebody, when he wants to motivate someone, when he wants to engage with somebody, often, even unbelievers, he does it through engaging a hint of their purpose. Look at Peter. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I'll make you what? What was, Peter, what was Peter's job before that calling? He was a, he was a fisherman. 
He goes, but how many of you guys know, like, like he, when Jesus looks at Peter, he drops everything, leaves his family business, and follows him. Well, more is happening than just an invitation to become a Talmudine covered in the dust of his rabbi. Something else is happening. And so <laughs> Peter is standing there, and I, I don't know this, but I know this. He's stupid nets and stupid fish, and my stupid brother, and the stupid boat's leaking again. My stupid father's expectation. Life is stupid. Jesus goes, hey, what? Follow me, and I will make you a fisher of men, because you and I both know there's more. And he goes, stupid nets. <laughs> stupid nets. What's he doing? Jesus is saying there's more to you than just being a good husband, a good father, a good businessman, a good member of the community. There is something you were created to do, and in this hint, you can take a step towards it, or you can keep your nets. It's up to you. And Peter goes, I'm done with nets. I'm catching men. Jeremiah, the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you, God is speaking. Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. He's none of those things right now. Matter of fact, his answer is, ah, sovereign Lord, I'm only a child. His response isn't, well, it's about time you notice my talents. His response is, please hang up and try your call again or have an operator help you make this connection. But he says this to him, I want you to know who I see you as. I want you to know you have a purpose greater than the purpose you've experienced. Joshua, this is what, he's, what God says to Joshua, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. How many of you guys know that's a good day in Joshua's life? But I'm, I'm just here to serve Mo and Larry and Curly if they show up, for all I care. I'm, I'm, yes, I'm a warrior, but I'd rather hold his arms. I'd rather be a counselor. A co- I'd rather wait outside the tent of meeting while he goes in there and his face glows. It's just, that's, who I, that's my role, man. I'm number two. And God goes, you know what? Because you've been so faithful in number two, what you didn't understand is I was training you to be number one. And he walks into that anointing. And what Moses, I just prayed it this, this morning. That wasn't emotional. That was spit. <laughs> it's like, oh, he's choking up. It's so beautiful. It's like, it was spit. Get over it. It was anointed spit but spit. I love this. What Moses had dreamed of doing for 40 years, Joshua got to do because he was faithful in that. And he says, you know, you've been number two, but number two has been a training for number one. Come on. I've given you calling. Now, this is them. Look at this. This is you, for we are God's handiwork. Dina quoted this morning, praying over the students, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance us to do. And I would just suggest this. We're going to get back to it next week. But what if that were the opening salvo in a conversation that changed people's lives? Did you realize your life has a purpose? Not God's got a wonderful purpose for your life, but legitimately, if, if there's an aching that life seems unfair, I quit my job at the great resignation. I got a new job, and I'm just as miserable in my new job as I was in my old job. I, I hated that community. I want to stay at home. I'm working from home, but after a while, you know, the cat standing on your keyboard gets old. I, I thought when I get married, I'd have this sad. I thought when we had children, we would. I thought when the kids moved out of the house, I thought when I was retired. How many of us know that most of Americans, most of the people we know, they're still waiting for life to begin. And they could be 70 years old, but they've never lived a moment in that, that completeness, that fullness of the grace that God created them for. When I sit next to people on planes and we talk about faith, I don't talk about Jesus first. I talk about purpose first. And what do you do for a living? How many of us know if I say pastor, it's going to be a short conversation most of the time. What do you do? I'm a religious nut. Oh, look out the window. (laughs) What do you do? I say, I'm an author. They say, really? What's the next question? They always ask everybody. What kind of books do you write? I'm like, 
I, I write books that help people understand the purpose for their life, and I make it children's book simple. Really? What's the next question they ask? And how do you do that? Thank you for asking. I draw three circles, passion, pain, proficiency. And I just ask them, what are you passionate about? Not, not what do you do for a living, not how old are you, not what your daddy wants you to do, what your mama thought was wrong. What do you want to do when you're done doing the things that you have to do? What are the things you really, truly want to do? What are you passionate about? What's your pain? We get into that. I've seen strangers cry as they talk about what's really breaking their heart. What's your proficiency? What are you good at? Then I draw three circles that overlap, and I said, that's the sweet spot. What if in the next 90 days, 90 minutes, 90 seconds, you can make a decision that moves your life from where it is to the center of these three circles? Would you do it? And I said, yeah, okay. But there's one last thing. That is the purpose of your creation. And the only way to find that is to find your creator. Let me tell you about Jesus. And they, that's where they kind of go, oh, crud. <laughs> or they lean in. Okay, I go to church, but no one's ever talked about this. I'm, I'm suggesting, I'm not concluding, I'm suggesting, and I hope that we all experiment with this ourselves, that engaging people in a lack of purpose could be more effective than engaging them in, in the abundance of their sin. You were to die today, where would you go? Uh, the ground. Well, the Bible says, I don't believe the Bible. Uh, okay, have a nice day. But when we talk about purpose, people want to continue the conversation. Are you getting this today? What if that were the opening? Well, you again, Jesus says to the disciples, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Well, as the Father sent them, did, did, did the Father send the Son with purpose? Uh, that wasn't hard. Oh, gee, let me think about that. Did the Father send the Son with purpose? Okay. Then as the Father has sent the Son, so the Son now sends you. Believers, right? Look at this. I just, I'll, I'll close with this. Piano girl, join me. It is an incomplete gospel that only speaks what God saves us from but neglects the question of what God saves us for. It is an incomplete gospel. And I've known people that pursued God because someday they want to go to heaven. But this is, this is different than that. Pursuing God because God has promised to bring heaven through you. We always think that's miracles and signs and wonders. But you know the good works in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10? The, the word works is aragon. The word uh, for good, good works, it actually means beautiful. Beautiful works. That talks about, and we've been studying in Matthew chapter 5, where men will see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. That, that actually deals with a, a different, it isn't the beauty of it. It's, the, it's more like the quality of it. The, the dream of it coming to pass. We talk about um, God's anointed pastors, evangelists, pastors, teachers, apostles, prophets. I did that in the wrong order, but forgive me. Um, to prepare God's people for good works. You know what that word good works means? It means to be doing it in, an, in a delegated authority. The word diakonos, we get our word deacon from it. Are you guys interested in Greek words or no? It'll be much more interesting when she starts playing because you'll have the mood. That is the scented candle of the room. Are you with me? Oh, I smell cinnamon. It must be Christmas. Look at it this way, guys. You got a Savior. If you got a Savior, say amen. You got a story. If you got a story about your Savior, say amen. And you've got a purpose. If you know your purpose, say amen. Okay, let me tell you this. You're far more attractive to people that don't have those things than you might imagine. They probably don't want your religion. They probably don't want your dogma. They don't want to hear about money. They don't want to hear about politics. They don't want to hear about politics. They probably don't want to hear about politics. Am I making a strong enough point? Conversations about morality need to come from a converted heart that looks at Scripture as an absolute truth. But until we're there, let's not talk about things that, that are still nebulous. Like we will break off conversations because we found a lesser thing and made it a greater thing. But we just, and if you sincerely, you're only 
goal is not to convert them to put a notch on your Bible and become an ace. But you really care about that person? Do you understand how rare you are? You're a person with a Savior who cares about them. You're a person with, with a story that, that'll be impactful to them. And you're a person with a purpose. Do you understand how, how anybody in their right mind who hasn't found that yet wants to have a conversation with you about that? And, and I'm going to close with this, I think. Um, I have had business people. I've had political people. I've had young people. I've had old people. And uh, hear me, I'm not doing this, but I'm, I'm getting, telling you a story. Hey, would you life coach me to a place of purpose? I'll, I'll pay you 100 bucks an hour. I have one person I'll pay you. Was it $268 an hour? Where did that number come from? He said, well, I just, a certain amount of time, a certain amount of whatever, I just, I value your time, 268. Would you coach me? And I say, listen, I'm a pastor. I will not sell what God wants you to have for free. But what I'm saying is this. Please hear me. They're going to pay people like you and me that have a Savior, that have a story, that know their purpose. It has that kind of value to them. And yet we're afraid to talk about our Savior sometimes. We're afraid to talk about our our story, because what if they age, what if they don't, what if they do, and, and maybe we haven't found our purpose yet, I don't know what your purpose may be, but I promise you this is a part of your purpose, because this is one of the highest expressions of Jesus' purpose, and you belong to him, God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance, what's that mean, that means that all of us are a part of helping people understand the truth, so they can turn away from the false things to the true things, and you play a role in that, do you see it? One person, that's discouraging. Let me start over again. Slide one. You're going to slide one. Stand your feet. Nobody leave. Yeah, unless you got to. And then I'll just, I'll call you out. It'll be embarrassing for both of us. Is it hot in here? Are you guys comfortable? No wonder I'm hot. No wonder I'm hot. All right, close your eyes. Open your heart before your Savior who wrote your story who's provided for your purpose. Father, we pray. Our Father, we pray that we would be the light of the world and the salt of the earth. The men would see the beautiful things you called us to do. We wouldn't be the first group of people that someone said, I'll pay you money to give me that. I'll pay you money to teach me that. But that's, that's not what this is for. It's, it's not to make a living. It's, it's to reveal a life. And I ask you today, God, that you would make our stories, our Savior, our purpose so preeminent that people will come to us and say, could you teach me how to have what you possess? Can you teach me how to be what you are? Can you teach me how to do what you do? So we don't hide our sins because there's a, there's a humility that makes us approachable. We don't we don't walk around like arrogant people knowing the truth and get stuck in the traps of the Pharisees. We just, we're believers. We're children of the Most High God. We're, we're brothers. We're sisters. We're messing up every day. We need mercy. Brilliant things come out of our face that you get all the credit for, moments that come and go. But God, I, right now, I ask this in, the, in this closing moment, God, I pray that you put someone somewhere on our hearts, every heart, not just mine, everybody right here, right now. God, I pray, Holy Spirit, show us a face, give us a name, 
Remind us of an incomplete conversation, maybe one that's gone poorly that we need to come back to in a different way. But I pray that every person in this room would know the joy of watching um, death become life, blindness become sight, lostness become found. Is anybody that cries harder when someone comes to Jesus, it's the person who got the opportunity to lead them there. And I pray that. I pray that we be the spiritual parents of multitudes, God. There's a generation that needs you. There's a casserole that's hitting where it's hitting, but I, I suspect, I suspect you've got something more. If you're here today and you're like, Jim, I'll be really honest with you, I'm not right with God. Um, man, I would love to welcome you to the family today. So how, how, do I, how do I join this family? It's, it's not paperwork, it's heart work. If you don't have a savior, Jesus is the one, the only one qualified to take away sins. If you don't have a, a story, it really begins with that first step. If you don't have a purpose, trust me, you do have a purpose. You just don't know it yet. But for you to walk in your purpose without knowing the one that gave it to you, it's impossible. Even, even if you did it, it, it wouldn't feel right. It wouldn't connect. It wouldn't match up because you weren't created to do stuff without him. You're created to do stuff with him. There's a joy that he insists upon in his own heart in partnering with you, like every father, helping to build a model, not just watching you build one of your own. So if you're here today and you're not right with God, come on, tell him right now, God, I need you. Come on. Can I call you father today, God? Would you, would you through Jesus, forgive me of all my yesterdays and birth all my tomorrows? I ask today for you to come into my life. I welcome you. I surrender. I give up. I quit. It's not me. It's you. I need you. And the heart of a 16-year-old kid who was scared and lying to everybody, you made your home. Do it again. That's my prayer. Do it again. Here today, do it again. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. That's what we're going to do, okay? Um, people who have a, a ministry and a trust of prayer are going to come forward at this time. So that's staff members, life group leaders sometimes. are going to come forward and be able to pray for anybody who has a need. Um, we did go a little long today. That's, that's pretty much Pastor Kim's fault. He was laughing at my joke, so I got silly for five minutes. So blame him. But if your kids are in nursery, how many guys know it would be a good thing to run and get your children? If they're in children's ministry, Pastor Avery's fine. But, but kids, go get your kids. And then let's hang out for a while. Talk about this. Let it marinate. If you need prayer, come this way. If you don't, go that way and start talking to people about Jesus. On your mark, get set, live long and prosper. We'll talk to you soon. Get on out of here.